Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it's my great pleasure to have on two guests, actually two people that I know very, very well, Aliyah Hamasen, who is VP of Sales Strategy, Enablement and Development at AlphaSense, and Kiva Colstein, the Chief Revenue Officer at AlphaSense. Welcome so much to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, likewise. AlphaSense, if you have not heard of them, is an AI-powered search engine that sits on top of tens of thousands of sources of content, and they focus pretty heavily on the financial services and the large corporate sector. Our topic for today is accelerating ramp and onboarding. And uh, we'll also save a little bit of the time at the end to talk about that role that Ali is in, the VP of Sales Strategy. It's a role I'm also in and, and pretty passionate about, so we can sort of talk about why we think companies should have that role. Before we do that, we're going to get to know Aliyah and Kiva a little bit. And the way I'd love to do that is to ask them, what's your favorite sales book of all time and why? I think the one book that stands out for me in high growth, high velocity startup environment above the rest is the sales acceleration formula by uh, Mark Roberge. For any company thinking about how to marry marketing, so top of the funnel to sales and, and thinking about conversion rate and the speed with which opportunities move down a funnel and driving inbound, sort of building the machine around that, I highly recommend the sales acceleration formula. What's a tip that you took from the book that you've applied to driving your own inbound? Less about inbound uh, tips and, and more about just combining technology with process, with people, and sort of building this ready-made machine. So no one particular tip stands out other than you want to build that sort of assembly line, if you can, as fast as you can. Ali, I presume you have a, a different book in mind. What's your favorite sales book of all time? For me, the book and the principles that I always go back to are uh, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And for me, it's interesting, right? That book is all about how people learn, how you push them outside of their comfort zone to accelerate that learning. For me personally, as I think about my own professional development, it's a, it's a constant go-to. And then obviously, as we think about sales strategy and accelerating the talent that you bring into an organization, I think it's just a great resource. If you kind of had one tip that you would share with people from that book, what would it be? I think it's all about how do you both focus on the basics and make those excellent while also consistently pushing individuals right to the edge of their level of uncomfortableness. And it talks about how if you're doing that on a consistent basis, it actually changes the neural networks in your brain, right, to create really kind of super highways with respect to skill development. And so back to basics and push yourself to be uncomfortable to learn things. Cool. Well, that gives folks a couple of good books to check out uh, if they haven't read them already. So let's get into the first topic of the day, which is accelerating ramp and onboarding. Aliyah, maybe I'll start with you on this one. You and I worked together for a while at Gerson Lerman Group at GLG before you moved on to AlphaSense and I ultimately moved on to SalesLoft. And I know you started to form some of the seeds of your thoughts around accelerating ramp and onboarding then and love to hear kind of what your perspective was then and how it's evolved. So I'll, I'll start by just taking a, a quick step back when we think about talent development here and strategy and enablement. We think about it in, in three programs. So the first is certainly our onboarding program, which is three weeks for us. Second is our new hire performance ramp, which is another 12 weeks coming out of onboarding to make sure we're continuously supporting and accelerating the ramp of those new hires. And then we have a third program of ongoing sales effectiveness, essentially 
The mandate there is how are we optimizing talent across the entire sales and service organization, whether you've been here 10 years or whether you've been here for one day. How my thought process has evolved is really getting into the weeds on how do you, for that onboarding piece specifically, how do you really dive in and make sure that you maximize the benefit and impact of those three weeks, right? Because on paper, that may seem like a long time, but in reality, it's it's not a long time. And so how do you prioritize the sessions you're putting forth in front of um, new hires? How do you think about the format of those sessions, the right people for those sessions? And then also, I think most importantly, in what recently I've been spending more time on is how do you kind of force that learning? How do you, through interactive sessions, tests, presentations, role plays, certifications, really kind of accelerate the forced learning so that people aren't just kind of sitting through sessions, taking notes, and on their own timetable, digesting that information. How do you create steps in the process that put a little bit of anxiousness and and fire in the belly with respect to, okay, I don't need to just sit here in the session and, and absorb this information. I need to know this information. And we talk a lot about becoming obsessed with alpha sense and our personas and our industries and our product in that onboarding. And so how do you facilitate and and develop a program that really amplifies and accelerates that? Leadership involvement in making sure that that onboarding is successful is is a huge priority for you, Kiva. How have you personally been involved in that onboarding process and or the design of the program? I worked very closely with Aaliyah to design the program in the beginning and then to tweak the program over time as we find something should be pulled forward, something should be removed. But I think most importantly, it's about setting, for me, uh, as far as my involvement in the program, it's, it's setting expectations up front, meeting with the new hire class on that very first day to explain what is expected of them and what they should expect of us. And we talk a lot about sort of commitment to your own professional development and the seriousness with which we expect them to take the next three weeks. That time will speed up very quickly after these first three weeks are over. And so this is the last time they will never have any other responsibility at AlphaSense other than unto themselves, right? Other other than learning the product and the people and the process. And so we make very clear we want them in early and out late and that they'll be presenting in front of management and peers and that it's a fairly intense new hire onboarding. And so for me, in terms of my involvement, it's really, with the exception of you know, the, the session or two that I run, it's making sure that that is understood up front. We tell a story about a commercial that used to air in the 80s for the Marines, where a ragtag group of guys walk into the Marine recruiting office, and the scene cuts to their boot camp. And they're crawling in the mud under barbed wire while being shot at and all sorts of images like that. And and the end of the commercial are these three guys standing stick straight in their beautiful blue marine uniforms with their silver swords at their sides, prepared for battle. To some extent, I like to think of that as as sort of what we're doing for these folks who come into AlphaSense from all different places and are expected to be prepared for battle coming out of, of the new hire onboarding. You guys talked about incredibly high expectations in early out late, and then painted a picture of the few, the proud, the Marines. What are some of the trials that new hires need to go through in the AlphaSense onboarding program? It's a ton of project work. It's certifications on objection handling and discovery and the deck and the demo. 
making sure they understand, deeply understand how to articulate value by persona. We're selling to so many different verticals and so many different functions. It's important to understand how to communicate the value of the platform to these different functions within each of these different verticals. And, and that takes some time. For us, it's, it's three weeks. And that week one for us is really focused on know the market. So industries we sell into and then the personas within those industries that buy from us. And then use cases specific to those industries and personas within our product. Even starting from day one where we give them an exercise that is meant to simulate as best we can kind of some of the pain and challenges that our clients may face in a world without AlphaSense, then give them access and then have them do the same assignment with AlphaSense to kind of feel, again, as much as we can firsthand the challenges and pain points of our clients. And then at the end of day one, we give them a homework assignment that they're going to present in front of our sales leadership team at the end of that first week, which is essentially the first hint they get at around the seriousness with which they need to be taking the sessions. And so, you know, the homework assignment isn't about going out into the world and, and finding information to present to us. All of the information that is part of that homework assignment and that presentation is given to them in the sessions. What the homework presentation starts to force is that new hire internalizing that information, starting to find their own voice and an articulation of AlphaSense, an articulation of their personas, you know, roles and responsibilities, challenges they face, how AlphaSense can help them solve those. And so, again, it, I think, heightens the seriousness with which you need to digest information and also the speed with which you need to digest that information because it is part of that week one. And then moving into weeks two and three for us, which are heavy role play and certification based. And so there the role plays are with a combination of myself and other sales leaders. And so even from the beginning of being able to build your own personal brand as a new hire, taking those sessions seriously, improving session over session, being coachable, taking feedback. And then where the rubber meets the road for us are our certifications. And we have three for an account executive. You know, the first is demo and and it's kind of core and base demo. So for us it's flow key differentiators, what they are, why they are differentiators in the market. We've intentionally disconnected flow of the demo from discovery, pain, and questioning. For new hires, it's a lot of information at once. And so we intentionally kind of keep it for simple for them. So role play on, on base demo with a certification with our product specialist leader. Second is role plays and certification around our intro deck. And so we're looking for obviously messaging and story around AlphaSense, but especially pain and discovery. Are we getting to that second, that third level um, of pain around challenges, impact, benefit? And then, like I mentioned earlier, that third one is we do another demo, but demo with discovery. And so putting those pieces together, right? Because it's one thing to explain to someone how to use a product. It's quite a different task to compel them to buy it. And so that third certification is how do you take base demo flow and weave in pain, questioning, and discovery throughout that so you get the client to start to connect the challenges that they've talked about, AlphaSense being able to potentially solve with what they're seeing in the platform. And the bar for those certifications is client readiness. And we have a high bar for client readiness and, and we have new hires that are exceptional once they get out in the field that may need more than one pass of that certification. And so we take it seriously and do multiple passes if we're not A+. Plus. I actually want to rewind a ways back to the social contract that you mentioned that you guys outline what's expected of the new hires and also what's expected from you as well. What are the things that you commit to for them? You know, I think it's a couple of things. One, 
you know, as Kiva mentioned, right, setting the tone right up front that there is a commitment and buy-in and support from senior leadership. And that certainly starts with Kiva in the first half hour of, of day one, but is also a commitment that they see from our executive leadership team throughout that week one, um, where they're getting exposure and time with each of our executive leadership team members to talk about, you know, vision for their function. But I think equally as important is how that leader can work for that new hire and how that new hire could best work with that function and that team. And so for us, it certainly starts top down. And then the commitment broadly that we give is for us, we've got, as I mentioned, right, this program is covering personas, industry, pain, discovery, demo, et cetera. And we have an army of stakeholders internally that support new hires in a really robust way. One of the pieces of feedback we get from new hires all the time is around how impressed they are with the level of support they've gotten across the entire organization when they start. And that's individuals that are more than happy to take you know, 30 minutes, an hour um, from their own clients to support that new hire to you know, digest that information, get up to speed as quickly as possible. Because here, right, if that new hire wins and that new hire accelerates and performs well in ramp, right, we all win. And so they see that commitment from us right from day one with respect to the broad support that they get across the team with individuals taking time out of their day and their core responsibilities to support that new hire. We want to earn the right to demand excellence. And one of the ways that we earn that right is by providing the tools and the resources and the support and the energy that a new hire needs in order to be successful. And we feel like if we've done that across the entire organization for our new hires, then we've earned the right to demand that they be excellent. And we can confidently say we're not going to allow mediocrity to live inside this organization. And that's a really important part of our job is to put the best team on the field at all times and to be constantly evaluating the performance of our sales team. And so if we are doing our job in delivering them the support mechanism that they need to be successful, then we're owed something back. And what we're owed back is the hard work on the other side. I know from talking to both of you extensively that you select for certain characteristics when you hire, for example, coachability and drive. I'm sure that every once in a while, someone sneaks through. If you reflect on where people kind of snuck through the process and you know didn't turn out to be as coachable or as motivated or have that fire you were looking for, where do you think the miss was? What adjustments would you make to your selection process to find those? One big miss is, is where someone looks really good on paper, but then falls down at the first hint of adversity. And when you peel the onion back a bit, what you find is they've had it easy. I go all the way back to their childhood and on through college and where they got their MBA and their first few jobs after college. What you find is most of life has come easy to this person. And so working in a high growth, high velocity startup with very, very big expectations thrust upon every single employee, when they face that first hint of adversity, if they've not already built the tools to overcome, they fail. For me, during the interview process, making sure that we spend some time talking about personal or professional adversity and how they built the tools to overcome is a really important part of the interview process. And, and when I've missed that or forgotten to do that, it's bitten me in the end. 
Uh, the other I find is folks who I say have sold gold in a gold rush. And so on paper, it looks as though they've been very successful. And, and I guess they have been in terms of how well they've done at each of the companies they've worked for, how much money they may have made, President's Club and Winner's Circle and things like that. But again, when, when I peel it back a bit and look at who they were selling to or the company that they were selling for, it was usually not the underdog or the company that looking to displace an incumbent. It was the dominant player in a space. And so we need folks who, who come into this company having worked for underdogs, who have the sort of resourcefulness and, and grit and desire and fire in the belly that is required to work inside of an environment like this one, where we don't yet have it all figured out. And there's an expectation that you come in with fresh perspective, new set of eyes and ears, and you desperately want a seat at the table to help us think through some of the challenges that a company of our size at our stage faces. The one thing I would add to that is coachability. I mean, it's, it's probably not a surprise. We're such a learning-based culture here at AlphaSense. And one of the things that I think is, is so, so special makes me love coming in day in and day out to work with the sales and service team here is the fact that you have folks that have been doing this and doing this well for a long time, but aren't satisfied. They're pushing themselves day in and day out to be better today than they were yesterday. And so that coachability piece for us is really important. And, and one of the things that we've added in the past couple of months to our interview process, which I think has been a bit of a game changer, is we actually have individuals pitch us AlphaSense. And specifically, we give them our intro deck and we give them a quick demo and we have them pitch us that deck and that demo back to us. So not an insignificant task, but in addition to that, where we can start to gauge executive presence and other things like that, we also walk them through feedback. And, and so we use a, a build upon and think about structure. So those build upons are things that we thought the individual did well, think about being areas that they could consider doing a little bit differently to be successful. And we're heavily looking for how that individual is reacting to that feedback to really give us tangible data points around coachability. I love that you're having them pitch your company back to you. I, I, over the course of having made my own mistakes of asking people to pitch me anything, I definitely learned that having them pitch your company to you is important because it shows that they care about the job. It shows that they learn. I, I also love that you're monitoring the reaction to the feedback. Do you also have them after you give them the feedback, pitch again to you to see if they were able to absorb and change? No, I think it's, it's such a great question. I mean, we don't. For us, the next and final step is that kind of gives them the green light to have time and speak with our CEO. It's an interesting idea, though. But at the moment, we don't. We also are not currently incorporating in the process because it kind of adds an extra step, but I think it's super valuable. Let's talk about the second phase of your talent development program, which is the, the new hire ramp. How long did you say that lasted for? It's 12 weeks. I would assume that they have a ramp quota during that time. They do. Yeah. And it's not just revenue, but, it, but it's all the activity that leads to revenue. Every month from month one and a half to month six, they're responsible for a set of KPIs that include things like calls and meetings and live meetings and meetings with current clients and meetings with prospective clients, demos, trialers, we put prospective customers on trial, a very specific conversion rate and revenue. And so they're measured against each of these KPIs, months one through six. And of course, you know, most important and the whole reason we're talking about this today is the speed with which we ramp our sales team has a direct impact on our ability to exceed our target. And so we are constantly thinking about 
how to accelerate the ramp for a, um, a new hire. And so paying careful attention to all of those KPIs and more, not only their pipeline, but how much of their pipeline is early, mid, and late, and the velocity of that pipeline sort of as you're moving opportunities from early to mid to late, making sure that they're covering off on all these KPIs in their first six months, giving us confidence that they'll be successful. That's a lot of KPIs to track. How are you actually able to track all of those and get all of that information consistently fed back to the individual rep? I think it's worth denoting. So there's a whole host of metrics, like Kiva mentioned, that we track as a sales leadership team. And then to your point, right, in some ways you have to simplify the life of the new hire, right? And, and so there's what are we tracking as a leadership team? And then what are we consistently putting in front of those new hires so that they know that they're pacing and doing what they need to do? The KPIs that we put in front of a new hire on a weekly basis, and not just in a dashboard, I think it's important to note, you know, Kiva is personally sending a note to all of the new hires that are stack ranking them on these KPIs. And to me, that's much, much higher impact than simply having a dashboard where they can go to track process. And so for new hires, what we're doing is we simplify their life to four metrics. So are they on pace for meetings held? Are they on pace for the number of net new trialers that they're putting on trial in a given month? Are they on pace for opportunities? And are they on pace for closed one business? And then as a leadership team, obviously, we're working through and pay close attention to you know, other KPIs and nuances to those KPIs. But for a new hire, essentially, what we think we, again, back to the what we owe them, we think we owe them that equation of if you're having these amount of meetings and if you're converting with what the business typically does, that should allow you to be on pace with this number of trialers and this many opportunities. And essentially, if you are doing those top of funnel things and those um, mid funnel things, then close one business is simply an output. And you will get where you need to be if you're doing those first three. Ali and I are actually writing a book together. And this weekend, we were working on a compensation chapter. And this actually makes me think about during that 12-week ramp period, how do you guys handle compensation? Are they on their standard plan at that point? Are you compensating on activities? Do you have a recoverable or non-recoverable draw in there? I'm curious how you handle that phase of onboarding. They're on the standard comp plan from day one. But there are instances where we have offered a decelerating ramp for achieving KPIs in months one through six. It's actually something that we're tossing around right now, thinking a lot about sort of how we compensate for months one through six, recognizing that the sales cycle may be 90 days or so. And so it is unlikely, regardless of how effective you are, you're going to close much business in the first three months. What I like to say, though, regardless of, of the compensation for the first couple of months someone starts at AlphaSense is anyone joining any new company should think of their first year earning potential, not months one through 12, but months six through 18. I think in order to level set for yourself and for any new hire, you sort of need to communicate that that is likely the time it will take for them to become fully productive in the role. And so everyone is going to leave behind pipeline, they'll leave behind opportunities. The hope is, is they expect to be here a long time and they're willing to make the first six months an investment in themselves and, and their career here with an understanding that it's really about building the foundation for their future and, and, and first year earning potential is really month six to 18. I want to talk about that sales strategy role. 
So Akiva, I'll, I'll come back to you. What has motivated you to have someone in that role? And is that something that you started at AlphaSense or were you doing that in previous roles where you were CRO? I started it at AlphaSense because I had the person for the job. Aliyah is uniquely qualified for that job. It's made all the difference. With a growing sales team selling into a really complex environment or really complex environments and lots of steps in a sales cycle where we begin by identifying fatal flaws in deals and yellow flags and red flags and building sort of mutual agreements alongside our customer to get to a path to close. There is so much work done in workshopping every single deal. I think it's almost a requirement for an enterprise sales organization to have someone who spends at least a portion of her time with the sellers talking through the complex deal cycles that they're in. And so for me at AlphaSense, I, I sort of got lucky. I hired Aaliyah as the head of sales enablement and sales development, and this was gravy. But the role sales strategy, the role that she's in, the sales strategy portion of that role has had as big an impact on our business, on our growth, on a seller's ability to close business and achieve target, as has the work that she's done in enablement and development. So were I to do it all over again, I would be looking for that person. But I think I just got lucky here. Aliyah, I'm, I'm wondering, because I get this question a lot, people see the title I have, that sales strategy title, and they want to know how do I become a sales strategy person, or I guess now even revenue strategy. If you were to give someone advice on how they would get a role like this super cool one that we have, hmm. what would you tell them? Or what do you look for if you were to hire you know, someone to replace you? You have to be obsessed with sales. I think to be great in sales strategy, you have to love the game and all the nuances and challenges that come with that. I think you have to love being on the, the front lines and partnering with the sales and service team in all of those deals that they have and helping them you know, find that way to you know, make good things happen. And so I think part of it comes from what are you passionate about? Because yes, you need to be passionate and obsessed about all those things, sales, but it's a bit broader than someone that may be a, a sales leader, an individual contributor, right? That is focused so much more on, on the client facing piece, right? It's, it's a bit of a blend of that client facing piece and thinking about the strategic elements of deal workshops and process. It's also, I think, a bit of having an appreciation for the analytics and the ops side of the business too, right? How do we make sure that we're measuring the right things? How do we make sure that, you know, the strategies that we're putting in place, how do we test, pilot, scale them? Is it working? How do we pivot? And so in many ways, I feel like you have to have this love of, of all things sales, right? From the back office ops and analytics piece to sitting there with a rep and with a client. And so being obsessed with that landscape and making sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to understand that landscape, interesting things people are doing in that landscape, and then certainly going so, so deep on your organization to understand the nuances and specific within that landscape for your organization. I think that other piece of making sure that you are able to have one of these roles, I think is the people you work with, right? And I think part of it is not every CRO, CEO is going to have the same vision for what this role could be. And so making sure that you find those people and you align yourself with those people that are going to be thinking about the role in a very strategic way and are going to empower you to 
create that role and, and perform in that role and develop that role in that way, I think is equally as important as what you're doing on your own with respect to best practices and, and learning and being kind of obsessed with all things sales. You know, we believe and, and we often say nobody sells alone. This role and, and Aaliyah in particular is, is sort of the embodiment of that. When you think about what it takes to close down big deals, it's not just being an effective sales professional. It's also learning how to marshal internal resources to help you get deals done. And one of the most important resources is this sales strategist who serves as a partner to the seller, to the sales manager, to help them think through some of the nuances, as Ilya described, of the deal. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for the time. It was great chatting with you about Ramp and onboarding and ongoing training in general and about the sales strategy role. If people want to learn more about AlphaSense or get in touch with you, how would people find you? I have the benefit of a fairly unique name. So um, Aliyah is A-L-E-A. And so you can find me as Aliyah Hamas on LinkedIn, on Twitter, although I'm primarily on LinkedIn. And my email is on there as well if you'd want to reach out. And then Kiva, how should people find you? Kiva Colstein on LinkedIn, kcolstein at alpha-sense.com. And I'm happy to speak to, meet with anyone. We are growing and really excited about bringing top talent in cross-functionally here. So if there is anyone interested in talking about the future of AlphaSense, please get in touch. Well, it seems like every week I have a new friend join AlphaSense. So uh, you guys must be doing something right. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.